Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on a Saturday here in the summer in the great state of Texas. We are into the heart of July, so you're, I don't know, maybe halfway through your summer. Depends on, you know, kind of how things go with your schedule, kids' school, all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like it. We're probably about halfway deep into the summer for my schedule and my children's schedule, my family's schedule. And so a lot of interesting things happen, have happened in our lives. And, but work-wise, a lot of interesting things have happened over the past couple of weeks, over the past months in the state of Texas. We're going to jump into some of that. There's a special session coming up at the Texas Capitol in just a week or so. We're not far away from that at all. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Huge, huge Texas Supreme Court victory that my legal team was a part of last Friday. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit of detail and just kind of recap what happened at the end of June. We had some fundraising deadlines we were trying to meet. Yeah, last week was busy, and somehow um, I got all of that done, and my team got all of that done. We rolled into a really nice 4th of July weekend, so we'll go through some of that, those details as well. But what we're going to focus on our guest today, you know, if you listen to the show, if you listen to Texas Values Report, we've been on for over two years now here in Central Texas. You can listen to us online as well if you're not already. But we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom. And we talk about those issues in three arenas, the courts, the legislature, in the media. And you know that we have elected officials that come on the show. We've got grassroots people that come on the show. And so we will talk about those issues. We'll also talk about election issues. And so, you know, uh, so it's not a surprise when you see kind of the variety and what we'll cover on this show. And so if you know anything about politics in the state of Texas, you know that the different parties, the two main parties, if you will, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, they have state entities, if you will. They have leaders that run the heart and soul of the party, uh, elections, policy issues. There's an actual structure to all of that, and there are people that lead that. And so I want to bring you all up to date on something that's happened on that issue in the state of Texas. The Republican Party of Texas elected a new chairman recently, and I'll let him talk a little bit more about that process. But essentially, as I understand it, the the current chair— um, decided that he had been in that position for a while, so he was going to go ahead and step down. It's you know quite a bit of a time commitment. And so that allowed for an election, if you will, of a new person to be elected and to handle that issue. And you think about it, you're thinking, oh, well, okay, what, you know, what's the big deal about what parties do? You have to appreciate, and I'll let our guest talk a little bit more about this in detail because he knows better than I. The state of Texas has the 10th largest economy in the world. Right. The G20 summits going on. I was listening to that earlier, um, some talk about that. And they're like, oh, the world, the leaders from the 20th largest economies in the world. And I'm like, oh, OK, is Texas going to be there? Because we're the 10th largest. And I think they generally mean as far as countries. But you got to appreciate the place that Texas has in the world. And so couple that with guess who is a part of that? The Republican Party of Texas, the Democratic Party. These parties are a part of a state that has a huge presence in our country's political nature and political dynamics and so on. And so, but let me stop. 
you know, going through some of the details that I don't know as well. And let's bring our guest on. James Dickey is the newest elected Republican Party of Texas chairman. And he's going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Before I let him say one word, let me tell you a little bit about James. James is from the Fort Worth area, graduated valedictorian of his class. Real nice. Nice job there, James. Attended Stanford, got his political science degree, and then went to Baylor for his MBA. He runs an insurance business and has been involved in Republican politics for quite a long time. He and his wife, Linda, have been married for 28 years. They have three children. And most recently, James was the chairman of the Travis County Republican Party. And so he and I have got to know each other living in the same space and running and uh, working on some uh, issues from time to time. And I also know that James is a very strong and committed Christian. So, James, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today. Well, we appreciate you. And look, let's, you know, be honest. Being the chair of the Republican Party in Travis County, as you were for a few years, is no easy task when you think about the political dynamics of the city of Austin and the county. And not to say that there aren't Republicans in this area. There certainly are. You've got, you know, Paul Workman. You've got Tom Maynard on the State Board of Education. You've got Senator Mm -hmm. Donna Campbell. But still, we know the climate in the city of Austin, and they tend to vote not Republican. And so you think about what kind of tasks that's like. Tell us a little bit about your family, a little bit about Travis County and your work there. And then let's transition into what you're doing now at the Republican Party of Texas in your new role. Sure. Well, I argued and feel like my work at Travis County was actually the perfect experience builder for preparing for the party. It's too easy. I'd actually moved down to Travis County from Denton County, where my family had lived for 20 years. And there, every single countywide elected official was Republican. And so all the fighting was inside the party and all the action was during the primary. But here in Travis County, there, a lot of the fighting was directed at our opponents, at Democrats, and a lot of the action was during the general. And so I think having that balance of experience from both environments was super helpful. Um, as far as my family goes, my wife is amazing, super supportive, uh, and has been so throughout our marriage. Our kids, our oldest just graduated from A&M, our second is in university in Cardiff in Wales, and our third is in middle school here in Travis County, and uh, they're all doing very well and very excited and very um, very supportive, which is fantastic. Well, I know but that yeah, helps. And, that helps when you got that yeah. family support. It's, I mean, it's essential. We're talking with James Dickey, it is. Uh, the current and the most recently elected chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. So, James, you were elected, I guess it's been, I don't know, three weeks or so. Tell us a little bit about that experience. And then let's talk about the special session that's coming up, something that I've seen put out there from the Republican Party of Texas as you've taken over is try to get feedback from Republicans about the issues that they care about. You've outlined some specific issues as they relate to the platform of the Republican Party. One of the issues we're working on, the privacy issue, which is a part of Plank 87. You've got religious liberty covered on that questionnaire that you put out some issues related to life. So tell us about getting elected and what you see the role of the RPT going into the special session. So the election was absolutely crazy. Um, Tom <laughs> announced his uh, resignation officially 
on Saturday, the 20th of May, which left exactly two weeks for the election, which was on June the 3rd. Um, by the time I announced, it was Tuesday morning, the 23rd. So I literally had 11 days to campaign, and we campaigned all over the all over the state. The election was among the SREC members, and as, and what uh, does that mean? Cruz, Tell our listeners what the SREC sure. is. Thank you for asking that. I, I shouldn't gloss over it. It's it's the State Republican Executive Committee. Uh, it's a man and woman from each of the 31 senatorial districts across Texas. They're each elected every state convention. And they run the party in between conventions. So at, at our convention, the, the grassroots, all of the delegates to the convention get to vote on what our platform looks like, get to vote on what our rules look like. But in between, there are a lot of activities that have to happen, including setting up that convention for the next one. And the SREC, the State Republican Executive Committee, they're the body that take care of that. Because this was a resignation in between conventions, it was those 62 members plus the vice chair, uh, Amy Clark, it was those 63 votes that decided uh, who would be the next chair. And I was running against um, the prior chair's preferred candidate, you know, um, apparent heir uh, uh, apparent. And so it was it was an uphill climb. But my experience in Travis County, having already dealt with elected officials having already dealt with managing a primary, which is actually the biggest legal liability that the party has, having already dealt with fundraising uh, and the challenges related to that. All of that was super relevant, which, and Travis County's in really good shape uh, from a party standpoint. The party had solid uh, leadership, a really strong bench, a nice system and set of processes and staff already in place and good fundraising-wise. And so because of all that, I was comfortable going ahead and running to be state party chair. And I won by, as Senator Cruz said, landslide one vote. <laughs> when, when did he say that? On Thursday when he was in town? No, he said that uh, right afterwards. The, the day of the election. Yeah, well, he called me right <laughs> afterwards to congratulate me on the results of the election, as did Senator Cornyn and several others. Um, but, yeah, his, his comment was the funniest that, that I should uh, for, for if, forevermore be known as Landslide Dickey. Um. <laughs> well, and as a matter of disclosure, Texas Values does not endorse candidates. We are a 501c3 True. organization, but I individually did endorse your candidacy. And so um, just so our listeners don't feel like I'm withholding that information because obviously it was sure. public and that's something that I do um, oftentimes. And I've you and I have known each other and I felt with some of the work that we've done together and I've seen you do that you earned the right for me to, to endorse you, if you will. But you had quite a couple of weeks. So, I mean, yeah, uh, interesting election <laughs> um, and, and a lot of attention. I mean, because look, the people know whoever's going to run the party is going to have, could have a big impact on the ability for candidates to be effective and what the policy messaging is. And I want to talk about what you think about what's going to happen in the special and the fact that the RPT sure. is messaging on that. But before I do, I just remembered something that I'm sure you were excited about. You got elected, and then you're at the White House like a couple of days later. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, it was 
it was crazy. I was elected on Saturday. On Monday, I got a phone call saying, would you be willing to meet with the vice president in Houston on Wednesday? Um, and, of course, mm. my answer was yes. Oh, that's right. I <laughs> forgot. You got to greet Air Force um, One. I, uh, Air Force Two. Two, yeah, excuse vice, me. Vice President Pence, yep. And uh, that was amazing and a great experience. And uh, he was very kind and generous and, and encouraging and intends to come back to headline a fundraiser for us, which I cannot wait for. That will be fantastic. And then, yeah, within a week, I was able to meet uh, after that. I was able to meet in the West Wing uh, with uh, officials from the the president's office, uh, political office, and others to uh, to talk about where we go from here. Well, one of the big things as party chair, uh, it's absolutely critical that we set an environment that shows that we aren't we in, inside the party. Those of us uh, operating, you know, the staff, the me as a, the chair, that we are not picking our own sides. We are implementing the will of the people as expressed in our platform and in our rules. And that's been one of the big things that we were able to do right away uh, because of timing. Right after I started, uh, it was within a couple of days that the governor announced a special session. And because he had so many items included, you know, the obvious question would be, well, which ones would I uh, support or which ones would I work to get enacted? And of course, as individuals, each of us have our own personal preferences. But as the party, the party's already enacted a platform. I don't have to make those decisions. The people did that for us a year ago. And my job is to fight for those. So we quickly did an analysis and found that there were uh, 10 different platform planks that were items that were supported by the, uh, by the call for the governor. And so we immediately did a letter out to the lieutenant governor and the speaker of the House saying, please, as you're as you have legislators working on these items, please let us know so we can support them. And as you said, privacy is one of them. Um, Religious the, uh, liberty, pro-life issues, blue. school choice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, patient protections on do not resuscitate, uh, school choice for special needs, uh, prohibition of taxpayer funding for abortion providers. I mean, there are, there are some really important items on there that have already been addressed by our platform. Yeah. So um, I just consider it my role to fight for what the people have asked us to, to fight for. And my message to legislators, and we'll be meeting with a bunch of them uh, next week as we prepare for the special session, is that you know, I will make it crystal clear what the voters have asked for, and every chance I get, I will thank them for enacting what the voters have asked for. And that's my that's my role as a party to be a force multiplier, uh, and and to be a focus point for all of our amazing grassroots volunteers. Well, it's a really good point about the platform too. A lot of people think about the Republican or Democratic Party; they think about getting elected officials elected or getting candidates elected. But there certainly is an element there or a role as far as advancing, supporting policy. And just in case anyone's wondering, if the, an, if the chair of the Texas Democratic Party wants to come on my show, wants to talk about some of these issues and is willing to be respectful, the invitation is there and is extended. And I'd be happy to welcome that individual. And so but I will say that a lot of the issues the Republican Party has worked on, particularly in Texas, has been advancing or supportive. A lot of the issues that Texas Values is involved in and supports as far as faith, family and freedom. And so you look at the special session coming up, you know, 
you see a lot of times the SREC putting out letters, too, of here's our position on a particular policy. So it's no surprise that you would do this. And so, look, I mean, and with your proximity, if you will, living already in the uh, Travis County area, yep. you know, that's interesting how that may play into some of your ability just to do that. And not to say that people that, you know, maybe Meckler or wherever some of these other party chairs lived before that you couldn't do that. But it is just interesting how, you know, Travis County is is where the capital is located. And so there are a lot of people that know you around that area and are going to be familiar. And so I think that that's going to be something that helps you in the transition. And so um, but we'll look forward to having more insight on this from the Republican Party of Texas to see what you are putting out, because I do think that there's going to be a lot of interest and a lot of question on whether or not House and Senate members are taking votes on things that Republicans support. There has been a lot of talk and not to draw draw you into all the speaker politics, but there's been a lot of talk about whether or not Strauss is going to support some of these issues. And a lot of times you'll find these elected officials you know, saying, look, this is what the platform says. This is what the people elected me to do. And so I'm going to respond in that way, regardless of what someone else may think is a priority to them. And so I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with the Republican Party of Texas taking a role of being very visible. Absolutely. Well, I, I had a meeting with the speaker last Thursday. And in that meeting, I, he said, well, there are a couple of items on there that I think the House has given all the House is willing to give. And my response was, OK, but there are 10 items here that are out of the platform. Let's deliver as many of them as you successfully can. And as the party, we will you know, we will do everything we can do to help that. And and to that end, your your supporters, your radio listeners, we have a special uh, group set up uh, called the uh, Strategic Texas Activist Team. And if they go to texasgop.org slash stat, S-T-A-T, then they can let us know which of the issues they care about. And as those come up for hearings, as those come up for votes, we will let people know that those are coming up so they can contact their representative. Most people don't realize how powerful it is for a voter in a district to be the one to call their representative and say, I actually care about this thing. I've thought it through. I want you to please support that bill on this thing, on this issue. It, it matters as it should. It absolutely should. Well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, it's great to hear to have you on the show for you to continue to be visible. And I'm appreciative of the fact that you and I got to know each other over the past couple of years, with our office being right, or, you know, in the capital, I don't, I vote in Hayes County, but my organization, a lot of our work is very active in Travis County as well. There's a couple of things that we've partnered. I know when we put out a letter yep. about the privacy issue early on in the session, you were one of the Republican uh, Party chairs or county chairs that signed on to the letter supporting legislation to protect privacy so men and boys aren't in girls' bathrooms. That's going to be a big issue we know during the special. And so we'll look forward to hearing all the things that your group's going to message on on these issues and just know that the uh, we'll continue to have an open-door policy from you and your team as well. And we appreciate you coming Thanks. on the show today. 
I it was my pleasure, and I look forward to us being able to work together to get some of these items done. Thank you. Amen. That's James Dickey, the newest elected chair of the Republican Party of Texas. Boy, he's had an interesting three or four weeks. Wasn't that fun? So he's he goes through an election that that he wins by one vote, which trust me, it was pretty dramatic. Okay, if you're in the inner circle of that stuff. And then he gets to meet the vice president. Then he gets an invitation to the White House. And then he's got a special session on his hands where there's a lot happening, a lot of focus on the state of Texas. And so sounds like he's navigating it very well. And it was good to have him on. Glad that he could take some time to do that. Before we wrap up the show, though, I'm going to check my time, see how much time I've got left. Plenty of time to talk about a huge victory that our legal team had at the Texas Supreme Court last week. You've heard me talk about this, if you follow the show, um, quite a bit. I mean, this case has been going on for over three years. But in the past year or so, a lot of the focus has been on what's been going on at the Texas Supreme Court. So Texas Values does not work on a lot of court cases, okay? That is not our focus to just litigate a lot of issues, but sometimes we do. So last year, you remember, we got involved in a court case. It didn't start as a court case. There was a woman who was attacked, if you will, or who was denied the right to have a Christmas poster up in Colleen Independent School District, just north of the central Texas Austin area. And because the poster referenced Christ, they said she had to take it down, even though they allowed her to have they allowed other people to have Christmas decorations. This one was singled out because they believed it was religious. It was. I mean, look, it it, it had a religious figure on it, whether or not she intended to try to, you know, push people on the issue, that that didn't seem to be the case. My point is nobody else was able to to represent her when this issue came up. We jumped in, we defended her, the attorney general's office, Paxson came by our side, we won that case in court, the poster went back up. Another example, this case at the Texas Supreme Court is about this issue, whether or not The government can force you to use your tax dollars to subsidize and pay for insurance benefits of spouses of government employees of the same sex. Okay, so we have a state law that says that's illegal. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled on the issue of a marriage license of people of the same sex. They did not go further and say that it applies to all these other issues as well regarding people of the same sex and regarding the use of tax dollars. They didn't say that in the U.S. Supreme Court decision two years ago. But the actions of the mayor of Houston, you remember the one that subpoenaed the sermons of pastors? She clearly does not have respect for the law, in our opinion. But I think there's a good case to be made for that. This same mayor, Anise Parker, also made the decision to start extending benefits subsidized with taxpayer dollars for spouses of the same sex that were married from other states. Because at that point, the Supreme Court had not ruled on the issue of a same-sex marriage license access in the state of Texas. So she went really far on this issue. And so state law says that's illegal. There's a city ordinance that the people voted on in Houston saying that that's illegal. And other government entities, local government entities, we're doing this as well, but they just hadn't been called on it. But when the mayor did it in Houston, and also I think she put a press release out or somehow she made it very public, we had said, you know, enough is enough. This has got to stop. 
So myself, Jared Woodfill, uh, in the Houston area, an attorney that we've worked with before, we got together, we sued the mayor of Houston, we won, but then on appeal, the Supreme Court ruled on the issue of same-sex marriage, and the appellate court said that was really, and one other factor in some federal court decision, enough to say that we should lose our case, essentially. I'm, I'm giving you some summary instead of getting too deep in the legalese, but that's essentially what happened. So we said, wait a minute. The U.S. Supreme Court did not say that tax dollars have to be used to subsidize same-sex benefits. They ruled on the issue of access to a marriage license. We appealed to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court of Texas essentially said, no, we're not going to hear the case. We asked them to take another look. They said, okay, we'll take another look. They decided to hear the case. We argued the case in March. And last Friday, we won um, this chapter of this issue. We prevailed in our request for the city to be denied their argument that the U.S. Supreme Court decision said that same-sex benefits um, were being recognized and that they had to be subsidized with tax dollars, essentially. And so the Texas Supreme Court rejected these arguments and rejected the efforts of the city of Houston on these type of issues, which was huge, huge uh, ruling by the Texas Supreme Court. And, and some of the media outlets were reporting it as the the Texas Supreme Court rules that there's no inherent right to same-sex benefits. Our quote was, and first of all, it was a unanimous decision. And what it made clear, the Supreme Court rejected the city of Houston's request to hold that the U.S. Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage requires the payment of spousal benefits to homosexual spouses of city employees. This is the only case of its kind in the country, okay? So now we go back to trial court with a ruling from the Texas Supreme Court to the trial court of how they have to look at this issue and things that they don't, they're not required to believe on this issue. Thank you to Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, Attorney General Paxson for for filing a brief on this issue. We won the case of the Texas Supreme Court or, or they rejected the city of Houston. We prevailed in, in, in an outcome that we were looking and hoping for. So now we go back to trial court. Go to txvalues.org and see more about this. And I'm going to have to talk about it again on next week's show. There's a lot to cover, but a huge victory, a huge win for Houston taxpayers and people that support our marriage laws. And the only group that's doing it is Texas Values. So we will see you next week on the Texas Values Report with more information in Texas about faith, family, and freedom.